Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast for May the 4th, 2021, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. How are you this morning? I'm doing good, doing well. Nice, sunny morning in Denver, Colorado, and uh, uh, David, may the 4th be with you. Yes, it is Star Wars Day, and it's Movie Tuesday, but we are not talking about Star Wars. No, we're not. We're talking about something... Uh, stellar, but uh, not Star Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about uh, 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 another type of uh, uh, adventure. Yes. Uh, aren't we? Yes. It's, it's a good one. It's a very good one. Very good uh, a documentary. And uh, this is our second award nominated. Is it our second? Our third award nominated documentary feature, Academy Award nominated. And. I like this one a lot. I thought that, I, I think Crip Camp might have been my favorite. This one, I think, was my second favorite. And the one that they gave the award to is my third favorite. So what does that tell you? But before we go on, I'd just like to say a few words about Star Wars. Because <laughs> okay. cause I remember uh, Star Wars was the coolest thing in the world when I was a kid. And then when I was a teenager, they came out with the, the new Star Wars, and they stunk and then they came out with the new, new Star Wars, and they weren't that good either. And I think part of the reason why is there's only so much water you can draw from that well. And, I mean, obviously the Star Wars, the first three came out before I was born. But the people in their 20s that were judging the new Star Wars, the one, two, and three, they weren't seven or eight-year-old boys anymore when the new ones came out. And I think that you can't go back again, you know? And I think, uh, so I think that you get old and things just, they don't, they don't play the same way. However, this movie that we're talking about today, The Mole Agent, uh, it's sort of a meditation on getting old. And for a lot of people, it, it is somewhat sad. You know, your circumstances, your predicament, they end up being sad. But for Sergio, he was really the type of guy that, grabbed life by the horns, and, and his story was less sad than everyone else's, and that was partly because he held on to uh, a love for life, but also partly because he had family. Family. It's all about family. And actually, the mole agent, uh, you should probably set it up for people who haven't seen it. And by the way, if you have not seen these things, you really should see, I, I don't know, I, I really love documentaries because it's real. Uh, you can write a story... And, and the stories have meanings. They have a purpose, and they have a uh, a plot and and a takeaway. Uh, but documentaries, you can't get more takeaway than real life. Uh, and this one, uh, the mole agent. He was a mole. He went into a, a nursing home. He was an agent, uh, and he was going to try to find out uh, some. Uh, there were some accusations, and so. They didn't have they had had no proof. Mm -hmm. So he went inside to find proof for these accusations. And what he found was a lot more than that, because, again, real life is much more interesting than any kind of story you can write. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm a fan of documentaries. Uh, you want to play the trailer? Yes, I will play the trailer. I have it queued up. Let me just uh, get it so that you can hear it as well. Okay, let's do it. 
Contra el mercurio y veo un aviso que decía se necesitan personas de 80, 90 años. Estoy loco, qué diablo, que no me ah, convencía de 80, no. 90 años. Tú a contar de hoy día vas a ser un agente topo, un espía. A mí me está contratando una hija. Cree que a su madre adentro la están maltratando, que le están robando. Entonces tú vas a hacer mis ojos. Yeah. Todo me sí. sirve. Los baños están asquerosos, que la enfermera, pa, cachuchazo, y escobazo, ¿sí? todo me lo informa. Informe de hoy miércoles 29. Rómulo, contabilicé 40 mujeres y cuatro hombres, incluyéndome. Todas las señoras me parecen iguales. Pero no es tan viejo, es viudo, dice. Sergio. A las 18 horas estuve vigilando para que le dieran el remedio y no se lo dieron. Ahí no, de acá. Llore, llore. Eso le va a servir. Llore nomás. ¿Me quiere? ¿Mucho? ¿Poquito? Nada. ¿Me quiere? Mucho. Está la encomienda. Mándame un mensaje de voz por WhatsApp. There you go. <laughs> that gives the gist of it. Actually, some of the things that are said about it is funny, and then you make you cry, and then it makes you laugh, and then it's heartwarming, and then it's it's just everything. It's just it's a very interesting uh, story. And my uh, 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 Maida uh, Alberti, uh, she wrote it, she directed it, she did a fantastic job. It was and, and it really deserves a nomination. It did deserve the nomination. I do think a lot of it was massaged for maximum emotional impact. Oh, sure. Um, but the framing device of him as a secret agent and then his you know, missives back to Romulo, his handler, that was a good way to sort of introduce events and sort of provide a voiceover narrative. So... They use sort of spy movie stuff, and then the spy movie stuff when he's like shuffling around the nursing home, following people. It's it's hilarious. It's kind of like this juxtaposition of he's not James Bond; he's just some guy, but he's also a very nice guy. You could tell that the people all liked him and respected him. But I see in the some of the stuff in the trailer they say a heartwarming spy movie, and I didn't really think it was all that heartwarming. Um, so I'll spill the beans on what this movie's about. The lady that he's his target of his investigation, his her family thinks that she's being mistreated. So they send him him in there to be a mole agent. And what he finds and they think that, she's being stolen from too. Things are stolen from her. What he finds is that no one's being mistreated, and the problem is that they're all lonely in there. And the 
the real problem is not the people at the nursing home. It's the families that put them into these nursing homes and just sort of abandon them and forget about them. And that's the reason why these people are unhappy. And then at the end, he leaves and goes back to his family. And it's like, that's not that heartwarming. I didn't find it particularly heartwarming. It's like, the real problem is that this place is depressing. It's not that anyone's doing anything wrong. So I'm, I'm out of here. And that's the movie, you know? Well, I think the heartwarming part of it is that he was so kind to the ladies there. Mm-hmm. And he, he uh, they liked him because he was nice to them. He paid attention to them. He talked to them. Uh, he... Like that one scene when he says, cry, cry, it'll make you feel better. He was genuinely a, a, a warm person. That was the heartwarming part, what he did for those ladies when he was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sad part was the sadness of the ladies from the families that never visit them. And yeah, and he left. He went back, but you couldn't blame him. He went back to his home. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it wasn't about him. It wasn't about Sergio leaving. That was sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they left him alone. But the sad part is their families didn't come. Yeah. At, at one point, he even had his agent, his uh, handler, like go find these pictures uh, because she and and memorabilia for one of the ladies, and he he got him to show them to her because and it made her so happy. So he just tried to make him happy. Mm-hmm. But he did his job. <laughs> he did his job. It was, yeah. it was great. And it was he, was, great. he was a good guy. Everybody liked him. You liked him as the viewer, you know. And I think it was cool at the end. He's like, no, the people in the nursing home aren't doing anything wrong. No one's stealing from this lady's mom. The, the real problem is that her family, they hire me to go in here and live with them instead of coming to visit her. That's what she really needs. And so he was willing to call it like he saw it. And he's right. He was right. Yeah, well, the way the story was written, it was right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Maida Alberti, uh, I think she did a very good job writing it because she, she did write a story. Mm-hmm. It was a story. It was a documentary, but she wrote a story around it. And I think it was it was very well done. Uh, and it was produced by Marcella Santibanez. I hope I said that correctly. <laughs> I guarantee you didn't say that correctly. Marcella <laughs> San Yes, it's close, but anyway, uh, I I saw I saw them being interviewed, uh, and Marcella was saying, uh, "We didn't re- we didn't know he was going to be so charming," <laughs> and he was he was very charming. I agree with her. And uh, and uh, it says it was written by uh, Meta Alberti. Yeah, Santibanez, uh, I believe. Ibanez, Santibanez. So- Santibanez. It was first produced by Marcella. Yeah, so it's a Chilean film. Um, yes. And the whole thing is in Spanish. So if you're going to watch it, I would say just for the viewers out there, be prepared to read for an hour and a half. Not, uh-huh. not difficult to read. You know, there's not dialogue, and I don't, I don't speak Spanish, but it seemed like the translations were pretty good. It's on Hulu if you want to watch it. That is the streaming service where we saw it. So Mm -hmm. we're running out of stuff. We might need to get HBO Max just so that we have stuff to talk about on our Movie Monday and Movie Tuesday podcasts. Yeah, well, I'm a fan of the shorts. 
uh -huh. uh, that have a have a story to say. Uh, the full-length film, they're good, uh, but seems to me I'm not in this I'm not in this area, so I don't understand all the intricacies about you know a short film, a documentary, a, a full-length film, and and all the different genres. Uh, but to me, it just seems like a, a short film. You have something to say and you say it. Uh, a full length uh, is that you have a whole storyline and you have the plot and you build it up, build your characters. And then you have you, so it's a bunch of it's, it's a lot. It's a lot more. But a documentary uh, to me that that that's real. And uh, I really enjoy that more, maybe because I'm older. And uh, but I like uh, to learn something. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it, it, there's value in, in learning things. You and you don't have to suspend disbelief. It's That's not right. like it's not like Star Wars, where on May the Fourth, let's talk about Star Wars, where it's like, okay, this is a western in space. So <laughs> I'll just allow myself to root for the good guy, and hope that he beats the bad guy. The white hat cowboy beats the black hat cowboy, and just pretend like. All of this is taking place in space, which is real. I mean, space is real, but Star Wars isn't real. Um, well, with the documentary, it's like, we're going to go into a Chilean nursing home and show you that these people have lived their lives. They're not actors. They're not characters. We'll make them into characters through the process of documentary filmmaking, but they're real people. That's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I bet... Uh... My, my feeling is that you could take any family uh, or any any type of company or organization where there's people and you can film it. You can follow people around <clears throat> and you can make a story out of pretty much anything mm -hmm. because people are colorful uh, and all different colors. I mean, there's all different kinds of people out there. Yeah. And uh, I know people. Uh, my people I know and families I know, our family, uh, you could follow us around and says, oh, my goodness, uh, we're, we're, sometimes we're serious and sometimes we're crazy. Yeah, like uh, there's a Michael Moore documentary, and they made fun of this, but I forget what it was called. Let's find out. He's a classic documentarian, political documentarian. He does. Mm -hmm. um, he, did, he did the uh, sicko. Sicko was what it was called. It was focused on the American healthcare system. And he takes these people that they're really sick and he takes them to Cuba and he shows that in Cuba you can get healthcare because they have socialized medicine there. They have good doctors. And that's the point. But someone pointed out, like, if he was to put the people on a boat and say, okay, let's go back to America, everyone in Cuba would want to go back with them. So it's like, <laughs> yes, they may have better socialized medicine than we do, but that doesn't make it a better place, you know? Um, so the story is our healthcare system is so bad that it's you if you got hurt or sick, you'd rather be in Cuba. And it's like, that's if you got hurt or sick. But if you don't spend your life hurt or sick, you'd probably rather be in America. <laughs> that's right. That's a good point. So that's that was like, that's just an example of you can tell a story. And in, in Sicko by Michael Moore, oh, did I, I don't think, did I put it up? Um, the narrative was Cuba's better than America. And it's like maybe for socialized medicine, but that's probably about where it stops, right? Mm hmm.
So I, and, I, I, and actually, that's why, like you were saying last time about awards, that's why awards, uh, that's just by that group of people. Another group of people will pick other people. Mm-hmm. And the third, the people we put in third, I mean, the the, uh, the documentary we put in third became in first. Yeah. And there's one more that's available on Amazon Prime called Time. I guess we're getting off the discussion of the mole agent, but we can get back to it that we could watch. And that one seemed like the most depressing. But I think we should struggle through it because I bet you will we'll learn something about it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. uh, even this one. I think this one made me sad. Did this one make you sad at points? I, it was it was sad. Uh, it I think I think the way the story was told, the way uh, uh, Maida Alberti wrote it uh, to me, how it affected me was it was sad uh, and it was also, at the same time, you like Sergio. He was a good guy. You go, oh, he, he's a nice guy. The other thing is that I respected that he told it like it was, that it's not this company. Because I think a lot of times people go after the the uh, the company, the organization. Mm-hmm. An organization is just the people in it. The people in it were doing their job and they were trying hard to, to, to do their job. Again, a, a spoiler thing. One of the ladies uh, was so sad that she called. She wanted to, and she was old. She called her mother and wanted to know if, uh, wanted to talk to her mother and say, "Please come get me." And uh, she always kept wanting to call her mother. And so one of the uh, uh, workers there would get on the other line and talk to her as if it, it was her mother, mm-hmm. and she just was, to make her feel good. She was convinced she was talking to her mother. She said, "Mom, I want to go home. I want to go home. You got to get me out of here." And it's like. Her mom had probably been dead for 20 years. Yeah. And uh, and it was heartbreaking to see that scene. But the staff, what else were they supposed to do? You know? They, they, they thought, I'm going to do this for her because it'll make her feel good. Mm-hmm. She talked to her mother. And she really thought she talked to her mother. And whether she did or didn't, it made her feel good. That's what the staff wanted to do. It wanted to make these people feel good. Yeah. It was clear so to it me. Well, you said you looked into it, and and this is obvious from just watching, taking context clues out of the documentary itself, but the production team for the documentary went into the nursing home first, right. and then they started filming the nursing home, and then a few weeks later, they introduced Sergio. So it is possible that anything that might have been untoward that was done by the nursing home folks sort of stopped the second the cameras came in. Also, if it were a nursing home where there was a lot of abuse and bad behavior, I feel like they never would have allowed a documentary crew to shoot there. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. And the other thing, too, is that uh, at the beginning, they said that uh, there were reports by this one uh, person, one lady's family, that, you know, she's being abused. Well, uh Maybe maybe she was, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe it was not the staff. Maybe it was other people there. Well, when we saw that, Marta, the one who called and talked to her mom, Sergio did his little sleuthing, and he wore his spy glasses, and he followed Martha, and it's a hilarious scene because she's prowling around the nursing home, and he's walking like two feet behind her. It's not very <laughs> stealth. But he stands in the room, and Martha's sort of oblivious, and she goes through the lady's stuff and steals some of her stuff. And so so 
stuff was being stolen, but it was being stolen by other people that lived there, other residents. Other residents, not the staff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the staff. It, at least that's how the story was uh, was told. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, of course, we weren't there. That's the other thing too. Documentaries. Uh, it is. I have a lot of respect for journalism and storytellers and producers and writers. You tell a story, uh, but when you tell a story, by telling a story, uh, it's only part of reality. It's not all of reality. If you have another person with the same information, the same facts, and they write their story, it's going to be a little bit different. And they might take a different facts. They put it, they put the story together a little bit differently. It's not that what what uh, is said is wrong, or it's bad. Uh, it's just uh, part of the story. Yes. Well, and, and it's a part of the story that's good that needs to be told, but there may be other parts of it that are are not told. Well, there's a. Uh... I mean, there's a lot of different examples, but do you remember Supersize Me? Oh, yeah. 2004, Morgan Spurlock, who I think faced some uh, controversy later in his life, but he did Supersize Me where he ate at McDonald's, and crazy stuff happened to his body, uh, especially his liver enzymes. And I remember mom saying, those liver enzymes are crazy. Well, he was reporting... He wasn't telling what else he was doing to himself. He could have been doing something to... And I've heard that with Supersize Me, no one can recreate his results. Hmm. So other people have been like, that seems out of line with what's possible. And they say, let me go get a full blood panel, a CBC, and then eat McDonald's for a month and go back. No one's been able to... It's like, see, his... His story was different, so there might have been some inside baseball going on to get the results he wanted. Um, do you remember Searching for Sugar Man? No. It's about this guy, Rodriguez, who was very popular in South Africa as a musician. But he lived his life out in Detroit, and he was like a manual laborer. Well, it's like they play it off like he never knew that he was so popular. And then in the documentary, they're like, check this out. Everyone in South Africa loves you. Isn't that wild? He's like, yeah. And the reason why he wasn't that impressed is because he knew that he was big in South Africa. He'd played concerts there for 50,000 people, but they were acting like he didn't know, and that was the big reveal of the movie. So I think that if he knew, and five years earlier he played a concert to a sold-out stadium, that would make the impact of the movie less. See, I think that he wasn't getting royalties because of his record contract from South Africa, so he lived his life out as a manual laborer in Detroit. And that's interesting, but he would go there and play concerts and people would come. And he knew that he was big there. Like, it wasn't lost upon him, but that's part of the story that isn't as compelling as he had no idea. And we're letting him know that he's, hmm, he's yeah. big. Uh, so I think that they tell the story the way they want to make it more compelling. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what other things... Uh... Uh, Maida Alberti. I wonder other things she has written, uh, well, we, other things she's done. We can take a look. Um, let's go into the mole agent page. Maida Alberti. She, and, I mean, she is a documentarian, but she's a screenwriter, screenwriter too. So I think that she does understand yeah. story structure. She does, yeah. Filmography. There we go. 
Yeah, see, they're all uh, Spanish, so we probably wouldn't see them. No. But the bottom line is that the story, as it was told, is very heartwarming. And with documentaries, it's like it's clear that every all the ladies in the nursing home had affection for Sergio. And yeah, yeah, and so he was well. Like I mean, they crowned him king of the nursing home. Yeah, and the one lady wanted to marry him, and it was all kind of cute, but also it was interesting when she said, "You know, do you want to come with me to the bank?" She wanted to court Sergio. Sergio, he just lost his wife four months prior to the filming of the movie, and he had to tell her, "No, I don't want to go to the bank with you. I'm still grieving." And then, of course, she gets all butthurt about it, and it's fascinating to me. Like her reaction, well, I don't want to hang out with bad company. It's like you can be 85 years old and be just as childish as if you're 15. Um, yep. And I, I think that was, I kind of liked that scene. So Bertita loved Sergio and wanted to have a relationship with him. Sergio was just nice to everyone and friends with everyone. And when Sergio let her down, and he was honest, you know, and he's old enough to be confident in himself and be honest and say, listen, I'm still grieving. I don't want to, you know, go further in our relationship. She got all butt hurt as if she were a teenager. And I think it sort of shows people don't really change. They're the same their whole lives. No, they don't. The outside gets old. The young side, inside stays young. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of them says, I'm in love with him. Oh, they were talking about it. Says, that was, oh, that so, was Bertita. Yeah, I, I'm in love with him. Yeah, they still fall in love. They still have crushes. They still... Uh, get upset. They, yeah, the outside gets old, the inside stays young. Mm -hmm. The inside, the inside will never get old. The inside is the inside, and it doesn't change. Yeah, it, you a, might, you might get uh, uh, more experienced, uh, wiser, uh, more disciplined, but you're the same person. Mm -hmm. Those old people, the same people inside. Um, like Michael was telling me he was having a conversation with one of his old friends from high school and his old friends from high school saying, you know, I think that when you meet people in high school and they're weird, they're still weird. If they're socially awkward, they're still socially awkward. If they can't do this or that, they still can't do this or that. And he said, you sort of just assume that when someone grows up, they sort of acquire all those skills. It's like, but it's actually more likely that they sort of arrange their lives where they never have to use that skill. I mean, in high school, you're forced to go and socialize with all these people. And if you don't like that, you know, afterwards, you can not have to do that. And if you're terrible at it, you might rearrange your life so you don't have to do it. But people don't really, you sort of just assume, oh, all that stuff, you get over it. It's like, but maybe you don't. Maybe you arrange your life so that you don't have to face it anymore. Well, the, the antithesis of that is that that's true. I agree. But... Uh, people don't change, but situations do. You're not in high school anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and someone who's awkward in high school may be very, very different in college or in business or like, like, like they're a super nerd in high school and no one ever wants to be around them. But then all of a sudden they go into business and this is this is the, this is what they thrive on. They do well, they open up, and the real person comes out, and all of a sudden they they do much better in a different environment. 
yeah. because they're, they're suppressed. And so uh, you're right. People do not change, but situations do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a good example of this, and, it, and it's just a big example, is, you know, they say go to school so you can get a job and you can make money. Well, look at the richest people in the world. They quit school. And then you think, who makes money? You think of like a Michael Douglas in Wall Street, slick back hair, alpha male, stockbroker type. Well, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and Mark Zuckerberg do not fit that mold. And they're yeah. three of the richest people in the world. Um, so Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett does not fit that mold. Of course, Warren Buffett finished school. But, I mean, these people, they say, oh, I understand what's going on. And I understand that to get to where I need to go, I don't need school. I think that a lot of finish school, get your degree is that's the path. And someone says, okay, there's a path, but I could cut through the park and get to the destination faster. A lot of people don't see that, but the Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerbergs of the world say, oh, I'm going to stray from the path because I see a faster route to the finish line. And a lot of people, they stray from the path and they get lost in the wilderness but there's people in this world that'll stray from the path and get there faster, and they become the billionaires, whereas the people that followed all the good advice end up working for them. So the rules of, like you said, people don't change situations do, but also conventional wisdom is for conventional people. <laughs> That's true. Very true. That's right. And uh, that, that's not to say, that's the other thing, too, that I've noticed, is that... Uh, People say, go to school, get a degree, and get a good job. Mm -hmm. Well, the people who say that are trying to help. And for some people, going to school, getting a degree, getting a job, working nine to five, five days a week, retire when you're 65, that's what they want for a happy life. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly fine for them. But telling people that, you have to go to go to school, get a degree, get a job, have a family to be happy. Uh, I think that's very dangerous. You have to find out what's right for you. That might be what they want, but they might want to do it a little different way. And I think I think there's too much uh, uh, cookie cutter uh, social expectations uh, in this world. It's changing. It's changing for people to be themselves. Mm hmm. And, and doing what's right for them. And uh, you have to you have to have this. You have to be a lawyer or a doctor. Maybe maybe not. Uh, maybe you'll be very happy at doing something that's not but not that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of lawyers and doctors in this world. There's very few people that do something else. <laughs> you know, I guess, in, or chart their own path. But I guess we got off the the mole agent. How do we get on? Oh, because of the love affair between Bertita and Sergio. Not the love affair, but the, the spited love affair. <laughs> and that was, another, that was another thing the documentary revealed, that these old people are young inside. Mm -hmm. It's really that way. Yeah. And, okay. I, and the way it was written and the way it, it, would, it was shown was that uh, he was kind and he wanted... He wanted to do, he wanted to help the lady. Well, there's 40 ladies and four men, including him. Mm -hmm. So there's other three other guys. But uh, he wanted to help them. Mm -hmm. He wanted to help those ladies. He wanted to give them what, he, he did his job. He, he, was, he did his detective work. But the way it was written, the way uh, made it 
Mede, uh, Mede Alberti wrote it, was that he also wanted to help the ladies. Mm -hmm. And he did. And he helped in different ways. Yeah, and I guess we haven't talked about this, but we can touch on this before we go. The poetry lady. Oh, yeah. She wrote poetry. Um, and she liked Sergio because everyone liked Sergio. But at, near the end, she says, my family never comes to visit me. They have their own lives. They're doing their own thing. I guess it's more important than they just stuck me away in here to rot. And then she dies in the next scene. And it's like, yikes, that was pretty depressing. Yeah. And, and well, at one scene, he says, well, when she read some of her poetry, did she read her poetry to uh, to Sergio? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that was, again, that was touching. Like, yeah. oh, well, I want to hear it. I want to hear your poetry. Oh, and it was read to other people. It was read, read to the group. She would recite, yeah, she had it memorized. She would recite it as verse, and then they recited it again at her funeral. But also yeah. her funeral appeared to be mostly people from the nursing home, which is crazy yeah. because you live your whole life, you have your family and your career, and you know your friends and your people, and then the people that come to your funeral are the people that you got stuck in a home with for your last few years. That's that's kind of sad. That, well, the people, uh, they were nice, and they were your friends, but they were not the people you gave your life for. Mm -hmm. You gave your life for your family. Mm -hmm. And now they abandoned you and you're with new friends, but not the people you gave your life for the, your whole life. Now, that's sad. But it was sad. But I remember she's like, and then your family abandons you and you're all alone. And it's like, that might have been true for her, but it wasn't true for Sergio. That's right. Um, and so Sergio's sort of remedy is these people aren't being mistreated by the nursing home. They're doing all they can. But the nursing home's not their family. The nursing home residents aren't their family. Yeah, they might be friends, but their family needs to come visit them. And his family did come visit him. And then after his three-month stay as a mole agent, he said, oh, I've decided to go back and live my life. I have a granddaughter. Um, I have two daughters or a daughter and a son. I forget how many kids he had because you only see the one daughter that he has um, in the movie. The other one probably didn't want to be in a Oscar nominated movie. I, I don't blame you. If you don't want to be on camera, you don't have to be. But uh, he had that option and everyone else didn't. And I think it's telling that despite the fact that he was there and he sort of made meaningful connections with these people and Everyone respected him, and he was well-liked, and he found community and something to do and purpose at the, at the nursing home. The second his tour of duty was up, he went back to hanging out with his family. You know, he went back to living with and hanging out with his family. I think that speaks volumes to his point, which is these people, they're not being mistreated. They're lonely. And, and if you had a choice between your new friends and your family, you're going to pick your family. Mm-hmm. Because that's your life. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's a very good point. So I think that was kind of telling, and it sort of reinforced his overall thesis, which is they shouldn't hire me to see if she's being mistreated. They should come and visit her, and she'll be happier. <laughs> he called it like it was. Yeah. Way to go, Sergio. Yeah. 
if you if you want to if you want to help these people out, to tell those families to go visit them. Yeah. Well, when I was when I was young. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh crap! Sorry. When I when I was young, my grandfather uh, came to live with us, and he mm-hmm. lived with us, and because uh, that's what it used to be, and it was great. I mean, uh, I remember my cousins uh, who were older than me. They go, "Oh, I was afraid of him. He was gruff, you know." And he'd, "What are you doing?" Oh, oh you know. And I was a little boy, and uh, he was older, and he came uh, to live with us, and uh, I just stare at him, you know, and. Uh, and uh, he was gruff, but he wasn't mean. He wasn't he wasn't bad to us or anything. That's just his personality. And I started playing with him. You know, I'd sneak up behind him and poke him. He'd jump, you know, and then he'd laugh. Mm-hmm. And he just he was gruff because he just wanted to treat him like a human being. And so I'd play with him. And here's this little kid. I'd poke him, he'd poke me, he'd laugh, you know, and and uh, we got a relationship together. And uh, one day uh, he said, uh, he said, Michael, what time is it? I said, I don't know. Well, what time is it? Go get a clock. So I went and got a clock. I, said, I don't know. He said, go get that clock and bring it to me. It's just how he talked. Bring it here, bring it here. So I got the clock, gave it to him. He says, look at this. See that big hand? That's your minute. See that little hand? That's your hour. When it's there, see these numbers? Now this, and he taught me how to tell time. Now tell me what time it is. Oh, it's it's eight o'clock. Oh yeah, okay. So what time is it now? And he moved move the the. He says now. Oh, it's eight 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 six. No, it's thirty minutes past six. You know, and so he's sitting there telling me how to tell time, and that's how I that's how I learned how to tell time. My grandfather was was telling me how to tell time. I didn't take that he was yelling at me. I took that that he cared that I wanted to learn. He wanted to teach me something. Mm-hmm. And I think that you go into these nursing homes and you go to these people who are sitting there doing this. And if you could talk to them and say, what did you do in your life? And you're going to open up a whole world, a whole world of people, a whole world of, of so many personalities that they're young on the inside if you can get to it uh, it's just opening up a whole world uh and also resources human resources that i think are are really wasted so where should they be used they should be used in their families mm-hmm. i think when families take take older people and put them in homes so that they can live their life they are depriving themselves of such a rich heritage and rich wisdom and rich experience. You just have to listen to them. And that's that's kind of what we do in this podcast. Talk and listen. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good summation of, I mean, and there's a practical application for nursing homes too. Sometimes the family can't do it. They don't have the means, the resources, the space. Uh, if someone requires advanced memory care, mm-hmm. you know, a family member might care more, but they might lack the training, or they might endanger their children by bringing in someone who's sort of a danger to themselves and others, you That's know, right. because of their condition. 
And yet, I think what you said is good. I think that's probably a good place to sort of cap off our discussion of the movie because it was very powerful. Well, I would say wherever the old people end up at home, at at their house, at their home with their family, or at a nursing home, uh, they're still part of the family. Mm -hmm. Visit them and try to learn from them. You should include them all the time. Include them that's appropriate for you and your family. include them as as much as you can before they're gone because once they're gone you've lost a resource that you will never get back and it's the only resource you have that's yours Mm -hmm. and so you're losing it you're losing it so make so so use it as much as you can before you lose it so do what sergio said visit more visit more Visit more. Learn. Learn from them. Mm-hmm. If you ask an old person to tell you a story, uh, they will. Yeah. And you might learn some things that's fascinating. Again, we're getting, we can talk about this forever, David, but remember my next door neighbor, Lila, Lila Green. Mm-hmm. Kathy, uh, my wife, you know, your mom, she went over there and talking. Laura, we didn't even know that. She was a little girl. She'd go next door. She'd play in the yard. She'd go next door and knock on the door and go in and talk to Lita. <laughs> talk to Lita. Lita was in her 80s, 90s. And she'd tell you stories about Colorado, the way it was back in 1920, 1930, 1940. My grandparents in 1890. And she had some great stories. It's It's to know who you are, you should know where you came from. Mm-hmm. And to know where you're going, you got to know who you are. Yep. Well, I think that's a good place to stop, don't you? I think so. So is there anything you'd like to say before we get out of here? Well, this is Sons of Sequoia, and my my dad, Sequoia, was a great storyteller. He would tell stories. Uh, but, uh, you know, you should keep on talking. And listen more than you talk. And try to understand what the other person is saying. Bye. Bye.